Hey, what's up, coaches? Welcome to this week's episode of Keep Your Paths Down. You know, so far we have been privileged to talk to some coaches from some elite programs, and this week we've got another one. This time it's Coach Eric Hammond, defensive line coach at Katy High School, easily one of the most dominant programs in the state of Texas. Coach Hammond grew up in Houston, graduated from Northbrook High School before playing football at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. Coach graduated from Texas A&M and then began coaching back at his alma mater in Northbrook from 98 to 2005 and then moved over to Katy Cinco Ranch High School in 2006. And then in 2015, Coach Hammond moved on to Katy and helped the Tigers go 16-0 and win the school's eighth state championship. The defense on that 2015 team was just nasty, posting 10 shutouts, and allowed just under four points per game, about 3.8 to be specific. That is just unreal. This year, the Tigers finished 11-2 and and allowed just 11 points per game to opposing offenses. So in today's game where offenses are getting all the attention, boys and Katie still know how to play some salty defense. And Coach Hammonds today is going to be talking to us about that Katie defense, specifically focusing on the nose guard and their role in helping the Tigers be so dominant up front. So hit you a scoop of pre-workout or maybe a cup of black coffee and get ready to talk some defensive football with Coach Eric Hammond. Okay, Coach Hammond, I've been looking forward to our conversation and excited to talk Katy Tiger football and defensive line play. So thanks for so much for coming on with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Well, Coach, fill us, uh, fill us in a little bit on your coaching journey. What led you to become a football coach in the first place? Well, I um, was, grew up playing like everybody else. Grew up playing it in elementary all the way through you know high school. And just the game was always a special place in my heart. I grew up in uh, Spring Branch, uh, in the Houston area, Spring Branch, and I went to Northbrook High School. From there, they closed Spring Branch High School, which is where I was zoned, uh, my eighth grade year, when they were reducing some of the schools in the district. So we got merged, the Spring Branch kids, the high school kids, and the Northbrook High School kids. So it was kind of a, a good time, you know, mix of a lot of good athletes there. A lot of good uh, coaches there, a lot of great memories, you know, a lot of great friends. My best friend from high school and I are still best friends. And, you know, lifelong, you know, a lot of lifelong lessons that football teaches us. And um, I had some great coaches in high school. You know, L.P. Jones and Mike Bailey were our defensive coordinators, uh, co-coordinators, a great man. Uh, Les Brown was just a class act of a man. I got to work with him later. I'll talk more about him later. Brad A. Duddle, John Markham. Tom Gay, Wayne Chopper. We had a lot of great coaches that really, you know, took us in as young men and guided us and, and, you know, just taught us the lessons that football, you know, teaches you in life and everything else. You know, I was uh, fortunate to uh, go up and play football at a small uh, D3 school up in Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin Superior. And I had a great coach up there named Larry Hoff, and he's, he's, he's a legend up there. He was a high school coach, won several state championships up there, came up to the university when he retired up there and was our defense coordinator and just really a great man to learn from and learn new things and different ways of seeing things. And I originally planned on going to vet school when I was going to graduate, getting ready to graduate here at one point. And then I'd uh, hurt my shoulder and couldn't play anymore, uh, torn up. And he talked to me about, you know, coaching at one point and said, I think you would be you know, good coach. And at first point, I was like, no. I was on transfer to Texas A&M. 
and uh, finish my degree there, go to vet school. And then I was away. I missed it, you know, and went back, talked to my high school coaches, and they convinced me that it would be a good move for me. I hadn't looked back since. Well, Coach, it's you know, it, it sometimes takes uh, a little nudge from guys who are mentors. I know for me it wasn't one of those things where I always knew that I wanted to be a coach, and it took a little bit of a nudge from, from, from those mentors in my life to kind of nudge me in that direction as well, and I'm glad they did. And, and, and I, I think you could say it worked out well for you. Uh, you've yes, had a sir. chance to be at some outstanding places. Starting off, started off coaching at your, uh, at your alma mater, spent a lot of time yes, there. Sir. Tell us about that. Tell us about the stops you've made along the way in your coaching um, journey. Well, my first stop, I was lucky. I went back and did my student teaching there. And my uh, defensive coordinator from high school, Coach Jones, was uh, the head coach then. He came and, and talked to me and about joining the staff. And I, one of the coaches there was leaving, Keith Cripps was leaving to go to um, A-Leaf to take a defense coordinator job. They were going to have a spot open. And he asked me if I'd like to fill it when I you know, graduated. And I jumped on it right away. I had a lot of good years. You know, their winning five games a year was a big success. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it, it's a great kids that, uh, you know, didn't win a lot of ball games. But uh, I learned a lot up there. I mean, a lot of football. I was lucky uh, after Coach Jones moved up to be the AD – uh, coach Pat Alvarado was the head coach and brought in David Moreno. He was an old school Marine from Vietnam, you know, no nonsense type of guy. And he taught me a lot of football. Every day we came in to the office. Yeah, I couldn't beat him in the office. He's one of those guys you try to beat in the office. You, were, you just couldn't do it. He'd have something on the board or he'd have a video cut up or something. I mean, every day he would draw something up before we left and defend this tonight. You know, when you come back in the morning, he called me pup. All the time, so he just called me pup, and every day it was just you know he would think I think I have an answer, you know thought I'd do a little football, and he would well if you do that, how do you defend this? And it was really it was great it was great for me as a young coach to realize that you know I don't have any as many answers as I thought I might have as a young arrogant coach, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. He when he retired, he gave me everything he had ever collected over thirty plus years. Wow. Uh, books, video, old cassettes, you know, and it's just great to look at some of these old, old books. They're still relevant, you know, football, still football. You're right. So you can look back at things, and it was awesome. You know, we had some other coaches. Jerry Balsadua was our OC there, and uh, he was really one of the first guys to get into the spread and was really starting to, you know, play around with the zone read and the power read and all those types. He was – you know, doing all those type of things early. You know, we didn't have trying to find mismatches to get kids where we could be successful. Yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan Seitz, our line coach, Les Brown, who was one of my coaches in high school, was still their secondary coach, you know, and working with him. You know, Pat Alvarado was a great head coach. You know, he was really just let the coordinators do it, and he facilitated it things and, and let us learn. And then I was fortunate that uh, when Marino – Tired. Pat gave me a shot as a DC, as a young coach. You know, I'd only been coaching about six years, and he said, "You know, it's yours. Take it." I learned a lot of mistakes, things that you know you couldn't do, and made a lot of mistakes as a young coach. But it was, you know, it was. I appreciate him giving me the offer, you know, the chance to do that, and not yeah. feel like everything was cutthroat. It was very nice. Yeah, you know, and learned a lot of ball from there. Uh, from there, I went on to. Uh, Cinco Ranch, I was for, fortunate to get on uh, there. It was hard to leave Northbrook. It was really hard, but my head coach and a couple other people had told me, 
you know, you need to go, you need to expand, you need to see some things, you know, have some success, have a chance to play in the playoffs. And I went out there and uh, Coach Clayton hired me and and we had a lot of, you know, success there. We uh, won a district championship in 2008, played in state semifinals versus Austin Westlake, played in, you know, several uh, regional, you know, finals, learned a lot of football there from uh, Chad Simmons, who was our DC there. He was an over-under guy there. And then we ended up going to the four two five, and uh, you know, got all up TCU, and you know, took TCU system, modified it how we needed to, and and put it in our place. And it was really we called ourselves a two four five because we started playing our ends up, yeah, you know, yeah. obviously with you know two down linemen and right. Chris Dudley, phenomenal linebacker coach. He's now the DC over at Taylor with Coach Simmons. He's the head coach here at Taylor. David Park in the secondary. Uh, JD Fincher, one of the other D line guys. You know, we had a phenomenal Mike Flanagan. We had a phenomenal defensive staff. Guys, we were together at one point for almost seven, eight years, I think, before I left. The staff, defensive staff had been together eight years before I, when I left and went to Katie. Wow. Really a lot of camaraderie and a lot of just cohesiveness, yeah. you know, which helps. Yes. And then, you know, going to Katie, it was just a, it was a chance to, you know, expand. I always admired Coach Joseph, talking to him and getting to know him and, had the opportunity to go work for him and jumped on it. And we won the state championship my first year there, 2015, probably the best defense in, in my opinion, in, in high school football. I mean, it was just a phenomenal defense. Uh, coach McDaniel is our DC, uh, coach Rip, our linebacker coach, coach Ortiz coaches our ends, coach Smith coaching the corners and coach uh, Joseph with the safeties and, We've had a lot of success there. It's it's a standard of excellence, and that's what we strive to every day to be. You know, every year is to win a state championship. How we're going to do that? How we're going to do things? And uh, I can't say enough about the leadership of Coach Joseph. You know how amazing it is. Yeah, right, right. Well, Coach, you know when 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 people, even people from outside the state of Texas, when they think of Texas high school football, a couple schools are going to come to mind, and Katie is one of those. And and really, Katie. Football has been the gold standard of Texas high school football for a long time. So talk about those things that y'all do there that, that really help your program be successful and have that continuing continued success throughout the years. Well, I think the uh, first thing is it really is a, a family environment. Coach Joseph, you know, doesn't mind if your kids are there, you know, and running around. He takes on game on sub-varsity nights. You know, he's got uh, coaches' kids in the golf cart driving around with them, you know, and they want to come up there and see it. It's just a great place to work. His granddaughters are up there running around all the time. They know all the football players' names, and the kids love them, and it's it's just a great environment. But I think one of the best things we do is our, our offseason. Uh, Coach Rip sets all that up. We do mat room all offseason. We don't do it just for a – week long or two week period like some people do a boot camp our mat room is all off season yeah and it's uh it's demanding it's hard the kids first hate it some kids you know find try to find ways to get out of it and skip it it's uh but i think doing mat room is, you know we do it every day when you're on that if you're not in the weight room when you're on your outside rotation it's um i think just it's you know it's not a two week thing it's a it's a you know, nine-week deal that we do with them yeah. or so, and yeah. uh, I think it's phenomenal. We do a drill called uh, pitch sweep drill, 
which we do in practice in spring ball, we'll do it. And we just put the ball down. The offensive coordinator stands behind the defense and we're running pitch right or pitch left. One day we may match it or match it with power or something. And um, he point, as soon as the ball is in play, snapped and we're going, tackle it, line the ball up, run it again, run a play. And it's the you know, offense got to get ten yards, defense got to stop them. And whoever loses runs to the pole. And if it gets a competitive. You know, get them on the ground, full speed, tempo, set the set the tempo, practice. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's exhausting. Kids, you know, sometimes it's more than four plays. So if the coach right, right. wants them to go, and it's it's hell on wheels, and and it's intense. Coaches are screaming and hollering. They're applauding, you know, or they're butt chewing, you know. Yeah. And it's coach yeah. on the run. It's quick. Um, one of the other things we do is just the amount of reps I think we get in practice you know our jv and our sophomore offense but at times will scout for us sometimes it's one a lot of times it's two uh so if i'm running the book on one day the day i run the book i don't coach nose guards at all yeah i hold the i go from huddle to huddle and it's i mean as soon as that plays over the other one's coming to the line and it's coach on the run yeah you know only only one man can say run it again Right, you know the boss, and it's then we we you know we video everything. You know we video an end zone uh, practice, and offense and defense. So it's all going after practice, and you know look at it as a staff, and that's when I would get to see my kids. You know other coaches are coaching them. You know right, the linebackers, right, and then right. we're helping them when I'm running the book and so forth. Right, but we'll get in a you know in a ten minute period we could get forty plays. Or more. I mean, right. we get a ton of reps. I think it's all. It's awesome. Before we get away, I want to go back and 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 ask you about some of those things specifically. Um, okay. let, let's talk about the mat room really quick because okay. we're the same way. We spend we have six we spend six weeks in the mat room and feel like it's an invaluable part of our off season. And and I could I could point to plays in a game where you say, hey, that's there's there's mat room right there. That is the benefit of it yes, right sir. there. Um, so talk about you know for guys who aren't doing the mat. Uh, where the mat room is not part of their off season. Why is that so important? I think it's, it's a mental toughness. It's a camaraderie where the, you know, the kids are encouraging when they execute and, you know, one group is at the other end cheering on the other group. The kids who are waiting to go or cheering on the group that's going. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's exhausting, you know, physically it's exhausting mentally and it's, it, it'll, it'll make a kid, you know, to really think about well, how much he wants to be there. And right. When you hear the words, do you know you're going to repeat that group? I mean, it's kids. You can see kids, you know, want to hang their heads, and then coaches are preaching to them, you know, about body language. Right. You know, respond to it. You know, not every play is going to go your way in a game, and understanding those things that there's going to be bad plays, but don't dwell on it. Let's go down there. Let's fix it. Encourage each other. Help each other. And it's you know, it's the kids. We start off. You know, teaching layouts, you know, how we're going to do this, the proper way of doing this, 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 and then it just ramps up and ramps up, you know, especially with the freshmen at first. You know, the older kids, they already kind of, they should know that. And it's demanding that they do it right, the little things, where they're supposed to stand, where their toes, what part of their body hits the mat first. Yep. Uh, you know, how quick, where their eyes are. It's just a, a demanding little tiny details of everything. Which is, you know, we're always preaching to our kids about execution and the little details, and I think it's a huge, you know, benefit to 
continue doing all around, you know, I think we did a, a boot camp for a week or, you know, to 10 days and then you move on from the mat room and, and it was great. But I think the way we do it at Katie is, is better. I think having it around and then from there, they rotate to other stations outside, but it's, it's, I think it's just, a, it's a phenomenal, uh, you know, tone setter in mindset. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and kind of like what you said, it teaches those kids to operate under pressure, you know, to be yes, able sir. to perform under pressure and pressure situations where people are counting on them and it's, they're tired and they're, they're, they're there's, there's a lot of noise and chaos around them. And in that moment, oh, yes. you know, can you execute under pressure? And, and then moving on to your next drill that you talked about, pitch sweep drill. Now, so, you, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like the emphasis to that is get lined up, get to where you're supposed to be in a hurry you know, as far yes. as fitting things up and all that, we'll coach that up on the video later. Right now, we're looking at can you get lined up? Can you, um, you know, communicate with each other? And again, sort of like the mat room, can you ex- execute under pressure? Is that is that sort of what y'all yeah. are looking for there? Well, we're going to run. We're going to run one call. We're not changing a call. Okay. Okay. Like defensively, yeah. So we'll tell them we're yeah. running, you know, wrap or run and rip. Yeah. And that's okay. where all we're in. And then. You know, coach just gives a hand signal. He points to the right or to the left. We're running pitch right, pitch left. I got you. As soon as the ball snapped, or put as soon as the ball is tackled, another coach is spotting the ball on the nearest hash or wherever, and it's you know snap the ball within you know five five six seconds and run the play. And it's it's a conditioning thing. It's a mental toughness thing. And it's it's all out full speed. Get them on. You know, get lined up. Snap the ball get there get them on the ground and you may not fit right they're here and but it's you know if they get a first down then it's you know defense runs and touches the pole you know then the jv comes out and you know sophomores and then varsity will come back and you know twos and everyone will go through to get a and it's you know just get a first down so if they get a first down on one play you know sometimes coach will keep them there other times it's you know defense you get first down right you know we're gonna move on to the next route it gets competitive, you know, with the kids too. It's a full speed, you know, yeah. competitive. We do a goal line period very similar. You know, we line up and do goal line and different stuff like that. But yeah. I think the pitch sweep one is just, I think it's a, it's a mindset. We're going to run pitch. Right. You know, and all, on offense and on defense, you're not going to run pitch on us. We're going we're gonna to shut pitch down. You're not, yeah. not going to run to the edge. Yeah. Is that a drill that you'll continue on even, let's say, it's week 15 or, or even week week 16 in preparation for a state championship game? Are we still running that drill? Uh, if, Coach Toast, if we ain't tempoing it or we ain't working hard enough, you're, you're, you bet we'll do it. There's times he's blown the whistle in practice and said, we're going to pitch sweep drill. We don't like the way things are going. Yeah. We're not yeah, yeah. we're not working hard. We're going to pitch. He'll tell them, kids, if we don't come out and have a better you know, start to whatever, then we're going to, we're going to pitch sweep drill. Sometimes, sometimes we don't do it, but if tempo of kids are dragging and going through, then we're going to run it. We're going to go, pitch, we're going to, you know, we're going to not have that mindset that the heat's going to be too much or whatever. Yeah. So. Okay. So I, I think I cut you off earlier. So what are some other things you're talking about? Um, maybe your strength and conditioning program. I'm I think sorry. our, our, our weight room coach, coach uh, Williams is, he's, he's just, he's phenomenal. It, matching everything you know like there's you're either lifting spotting you're doing auxiliary so you know if you're doing bench you're lifting bench then you're spotting or there's an auxiliary station there it may be you know just crunches it may be you know wobble boards it could be but i think he maximizes the amount you know no there's no time to no one's doing nothing right you're always right. working in there and i think right. he benefits you know kids in uh 
the intensity in there that he brings with the weight room and just the organization and the and, and just the workout program. It's it's and then Coach Rip, you know, sets up rotations. Him they they work together and get you know inside outside and it's just it's. I mean, we'll go we'll have eight hundred to nine hundred kids signed up for our summer strength and conditioning wow. between junior highs, high school. You know, we, volleyball has a group basketball has groups you know boys and girls soccer boys and girls swimmings and I mean, everybody is everyone's got you know their coaches are there with them going through it with them and you know he, they do a great job of getting those things uh done you know together and going uh you know good great plan and our kids really benefit i think uh we do a great job in that that period over the summer of getting our kids to to be there and and just understanding that the grind of the season, you know, this is the beginning of the season. This is the grind here. Get this right. part. So when we show up in August, we're ready to go. Right. And then we just we just do what we do, you know, offensively and defensively. You know, there's no how do we change? What's the newest gadget? Whatever. We just do what we do. And you know, it's there's no changing of you know revamping everything. And I think it's the kids know the system from freshman year to their senior year. You know, we're adding things and, you know, little things, but it's no wholesale change. You know, defensively, we're going to do what we do, and that's it. Well, Coach, I think sometimes maybe people listen to this, you know, you hear about a guy or you hear about a program like Katie, and, and, and people might just assume that coaching at a place like that where uh, success is, has been so prevalent and that's the standard, that, that coaching a place like that might be easy or it might just be you just kind of jump in and, and go along for the ride. But obviously that's not the case. What are some challenges or things that, are, that can be a little bit difficult about being at a place like Katie where the expectations are high and the pressure is there to win? I, I I never thought that you could go to a state semifinal, lose a game, and think that it was a bad year until I got to Katie. You know, we lost Lake Travis, and and it's just the standard, the expectations. When you walk outside on our you know, sub-varsity game field, there's a banner hanging there with all the pictures of the state championship rings up there. You know, that's the standard, and that's how you expect, and it's – you don't want to be the weak coach on the staff. You yeah. know, it's weird to think yeah. that. I remember when I came in just thinking, you know, I don't want to be the guy that, that screws this up. I don't want to be that guy that doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And it's, you know, the expectation is a, a state championship every year, you know, to be undefeated to, or, you know, to win a district championship, win a state championship, have the number one defense in the district. You know, coaches take pride in that, and the kids take pride in it. And, uh, you know, you still have the same issues you have with any school, with you know, with teenage boys. You're, you're going to fight those same things. You know, we don't always have the best athletes like anybody. You know, people think, you know, we have, we're just loaded. And, you know, we're not. We're going to, you know, some years, like 15, we had, yeah, we did. We had a bunch of great athletes on that team. But other than that, other than years, we've, you know, this year losing to North Shore, you know, we didn't have – near the athletes we've had before and it's and it's hard when you you know a game you had a chance late in the game against North Shore to possibly get back in and take a lead and it doesn't work yeah you didn't, you didn't come through with it and it's it, and it's hard to look back and especially mine one of the touchdowns that they they broke was you know the nose guard messed up 
And, you know, it's painful when I look back at it as a coach and think, you know, wow, you know, could have got off the field on that play. And you just, it's what the expectation is. It's, it's a, it is a grind just to make sure that you're, you know, you're not the one that's, you know, not carrying his weight. Yeah. And it's a great place to work. Our booster club is phenomenal. They feed us all. There's food. You, you come work at Katie, you're getting 20 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to gain 20 pounds. There's yeah. food always in the office. They're going to do what they're going to give you what you need to be successful, you know, to win. They just, those old people, those, it's a great community. There's guys who come up there that have been coming for 30 years. They come up there and want to, you know, come in the office and talk to the coach and they still expect those same standards, you know, they hold coach to it. They come in and give him hell about what was wrong with the offense or the defense. You know, we gave up 10 points or wrong with the defense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. it's, uh, but it's a great place to work. I love it. Yeah. Well, so how, how do you talk to me about how, well, you're at a place like that and, and where winning is the norm and it can almost become a little bit like, you know, yeah, we went, you know, we, we lost to North Shore in the third round and you feel, you know, a little bad about the season you had. So how are you able to, stop and enjoy being at a place like that and not get caught up in the negativity of, of maybe, well, falling short of expectations. How do you balance that, uh, not wanting to be the weak guy and not wanting to be the staff that lets everybody down, but then also enjoying the ride? Mine is because I, I started at Northbrook where we were never going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, we were in understanding it could always be a whole lot worse. Yeah. And it's you're expected to win and – you know, it's the same way I, it, it, you know, any major winning program you're at that, uh, you just learn to, it, it, the, the times, the camaraderie with the coaches is, is fun. Coach Rip, uh, is one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet in your life. You know, he's always got jokes and comments and keeps, you know, things laughing in the office. Um, you know, coaches are always, if they, if there's something you do that, you know, you say something goofy or funny, they're they're gonna give it to you and ride you. Like when we played Friendswood, I was, you know, nervous about their quarterback scrambling and getting out of the pocket, and and uh, we ended up shutting him down and not letting him out. And of course, they all every time now we see, you know, a quarterback, they're like, hey, gonna freak out. You know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, it's a fun deal. You just yeah. learn to laugh and. We get together when we during the summer during our site camp every Thursday. One of the coaches is assigned uh, the barbecue pit. So after we run through our, you know, varsity upper level groups, all the, some every coach brings something. You know, some coaches bring uh, uh, fajitas, others bring chicken, pork, whatever. And we one coach throws everything on the grill and gets everything ready. And when uh, we finish that other session, it's in the office waiting on everybody. You know, it's just one of those things we get together and laugh and cut up. We have a good time, uh, you know, outside. We get together and, you know, try to eat and hang out together. We have coaches get togethers, family get togethers, and uh, help each other out. Yeah. You know, coaches just do what we do and understand that, you know, we all want to win and, and be competitive. But at the end of it, we're all family. We yeah. get together. And Coach Joseph is going to make sure of that, you know, he. Right wants us to be a tight unit yeah yeah for sure that camaraderie is key i mean you're with those guys long hours 
uh, during the season and really year round. And so to have that to have that camaraderie is, is really key. So let's talk about that defense of Katie's. If, if I'm a if I'm a coach, you know, and I come to see you in the off season or whatever, and I'm wanting to put in y'all's defense, walk me through it, starting from the front, working our way back. What, what tell me some things I need to know about about playing your defense? Well, we're um, we're a lateral defense up front. That's the first thing that is a, a coach uh, would need to understand that we're not in up the field, you know, penetrating uh, type defense, which is a lot of people. Most defenses are that way. We're going to really, the offense, when we draft as a freshman, the the offense takes a quarterback, a running back receiver, sometimes a tight end or an old lineman that they, you know, think they have to have. And then we take the next 11. So, you know, who are the kids who can, that are going to be, you know, projecting them, you know, physicality, speed, starting at my position, the nose guard is, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a kid who's, you know, going to have good hips. He's going to have decent feet. They don't have to be, you know, great feet, you know, but he needs to be, he needs to be able to change directions. So all through summer sack camp with that freshman group, you know, we're putting through drills and trying to evaluate everybody as best we can, you know, offensively and defensively. We're talking to each other all summer. You know, what do you think about this kid? He looks at coach, you know, offensive line coach may look at him and say, yeah, he's, you know, he's really got too good a feet for a no line. You know, you may he look at him at defense, and, you know, and so forth. As we may say, a kid, he just doesn't have the feet. You know, he's going right. to be more of an old lineman and being honest with each other. But he needs to be a, a tough kid. He needs to be – he needs to have a main streak because you're going to – I tell everybody, the closer you get to the ball, it's more of a man's game. And when you're right over it, it's going to be some nasty things happen to you. So we uh, want a kid there who's physical – his, you know, he's a good reader of what he's doing, and he's got uh, good hands because we uh, want them to be able to control, you know, two men in the center of the guard. You got to be able to occupy two men. And the defense can't get cut in half, right? You know, if you if you're able to cut the nose off and cut our defensive in half, we're we're in trouble, right? You know? So, our five technique uh, strong side end is he's going to be. A little more athletic than our nose guard, you know. The more athletic kid, he's a good reader. He's got he's going to be reading, you know. He's got to be able to read and squeeze down blocks and spill. Uh, same as our four, our four techniques going to be probably a little bit more athletic type kid or our, our, our weekend. Uh-huh. So um, sometimes those are inside backers or outside backers that uh, just get too big and we got to put them down. Sometimes you know, sometimes they're kids that play there all the time. Linebackers are going to have to be, especially the inside backers, they got to be able to check things. And they're going to be smart kids, physical kids, uh, can cover, you know, can stop a run. They've got to be able, you know, to do about everything. Outside linebackers, um, especially our weak side, uh, outside backer, he's going to be more of a safety type kid that's in the box, you know, and he can back up and cover. Outside, a strong side outside backer is going to be, you know, a strong safety type kid. You know, he's going to be a flat defender. Yeah. And do the, sometimes he backs up and covers deep in different situations of stuff, empty stuff like that. We may have to corners. You know, corners are corners everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, good feet, cover kids. Uh, safety's got to be, you know, good athletes. You know, especially out with the spread. You know, they're. Maybe your bigger corner kids that are physical, you know, you can move inside. 
uh, on those things. But um, it all has to match, especially the front seven. The front seven have to match very well on fits. And we spend a lot of time working fits all the time. But we work, um, you know, doing it right and doing it wrong. You know, what happens if, you know, the outside backer doesn't spill the ball? He squeezes it back. Where's the fit going to be? You know, right. learning to right. make each other right because it's not always perfect, you know. and Yeah. You know, we see those things in times in games where, you know, the kid's like, well, I knew he, I could see he was going to fit there. So I just, you know, played here, you know, communicating the co the front because the secondary, you know, they're going to where they're going to be, depending upon the call, where they're at. And our secondary has to be pretty smart kids back there because they're going to they communicate. We make a call coverage wise, but they control those we don't call and set the coverage on every play. Those kids can control it based on different things. You know, if they think they can't cover a guy from here or there, they can change the call and do what they need to do. So it's very, you know, based on them on what they're going to call and adjust to. So they have to right. be comfortable. You know, and I think it makes them more comfortable doing it that way. If the safety thinks he can't get over the top of a guy from where he's at, he can change the coverage, you know. It gives them some leeway, gives yeah. them some ownership on yeah. things. And, well, and so obviously they're able to do that because of, of film study and they're, they're you oh, know, studying yes. their opponents and, and knowing you know who the threat is, who we have to stop this week, and, and that sort of thing. Well, let's let's take it back down to the D line. We're we're head up we're head up on everything. And our, we're all you okay. know, our five technique, but he's going to line. We we don't want you to know. You know we can. I got you. It, I got you. Is who's playing the five and who's playing the four? I got you. Knows the nose never changes his stance. You know, that's the thing about him. He can't change hand and feet. You know, right. he's, if I tell him as a freshman, is you know, which hand do you prefer down? And well, that's the hand you're going to put down every time. You yeah. can't ever change because people will pick up on it quick. Yeah. You know, on yep. those deals. So we want to, the you know, the ends always have, they always have their ball side hand down and foot down, both of them. Right. Just traditional. But the nose has to, he can't, we don't want him giving it on the, on those type of things. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the nose and then we'll work our way out to the end. So talk about some of those things that, that, that are important for that nose to do. Uh, he's going to, so obviously he's staying in the same stance, lining head up on that center and wearing that center out. So talk about some things that you coach that nose guard uh, up to do to be successful. He's reading the center on his first step. He's stepping at a, uh, a 45 angle okay that's so two he's gonna take you know two steps so if he's stepping to to the left side then he'll step with his left foot first and bring his right foot with him and he should end up you know in the same foot position that he was in when he started the stagger we don't you know longer kids can get may get toe to heel you know maybe a little longer i had a kid a few years ago that was really tall and long so we let him get a little longer just because he got all bunched up in his hips but most of those guards are going to be you know, toe to instep, toe to heel on that one. I make these little tees out of out of out of PVC. I just make a T and buy one of those little T couples, and the top and bottom one are about oh, I don't know, two foot long, maybe a foot and a half. And then the ones coming out the side, I cut to about six inches because uh -huh. I want them to step. So they'll get in. If I can explain this, if they, if you're looking at a T. Their toe is going to be where the T connect in the middle. 
Okay. And it would be like on the bottom or on the, if they're stepping left, then I would put them on the right side of the tee with okay. their toe in that corner, in that deal. Yeah. And I want them to step at an angle to the opposite, to the 45 angle of the other one. Yeah. And it's hard to explain on the phone, but uh, do it just, it helps me see um, the kid behind them can correct them if I'm not over there. You know, you were too, right. too vertical with your step. I would step at a 45, so they should step and get their foot down close to the edge of that, that T where, where, where it's cut off there. Right. That's where he's going to be stepping. He's reading the center, and uh, we teach it his zone. You're either zoning – he's zoning to you or he's zoning away from you. Those are the first two things that I would teach an incoming freshman, nose guard. So uh, if I'm stepping to my left and the center you know, comes to my left, that's zone two. Yeah. My immediate job is to stretch to the, to the hip of the guard. So I should be stretching you know, flat down the line and get to the hip of the guard, that A-gap. No matter if that A-gap stretches all the way to the sideline, that's my gap, stretch to the sideline. Right. You know, don't let the ball, you know, cut up there. Make the ball cut back. Okay, so Coach Hammond, so let me make sure I'm, I'm understanding this correctly. Uh, so I have the nose guard. He's in a right-handed stance. He's got his right foot back and his right hand down. Uh, so does that mean that, that he's going to step with uh, – he could step with either foot just depending on what, you know, what what where the, the call is going? Yeah, he's going to step – so if he's a strong side, so if it's strong right and he's got our call to step to the strong side, then he would step with his right foot. Okay. At a 45, he would take, you know, with the step with his right foot and then his left. He's going to take two. We tell him that one step, for us, one step means two steps, one, two. Okay. That's what we, we want him in the ground. And then I'm going to, you know, adjust if the center's blocking away from me, going back to my left, then I need to flatten back, change directions and flatten back out if he you. is – coming to my right uh, zone to me, then I'm going to stretch immediately. Don't stay on the center, which is one of the biggest things we struggle with with young kids is they want to stay on the center and look in the backfield. Right. Break that habit. Get to the guard right now. Stretch down the line. Right. You know, get the center's hands off of you. Escape. Go down the line fast as you can. And that's been the hardest thing for us to, uh, you know, break the habit. Yeah. Yeah. They want to stay there and like, you know, this is my guy or this is, you know, mm -hmm. this is where I'm supposed to be. You look in the backfield and exactly. I tell them, backs lie, you know, running backs are going to lie, quarterbacks are going to lie, fat boys don't lie. That's right. Fat bodies up front don't lie. Trust That's what right. they do. That's right. Yeah, because that A-gap's moving. You know, it's moving yes, with, the, with that with that guard's hip and they got to stay with it. Because yeah. if that offense coordinator is, is perfectly fine with trading one for one and that, and that nose yeah. guard staying yes. there. Yes, oh center. yes. And that gap expands so fast, I tell them. You know, you're going to be your lesser athlete than that back coming in there. And you're not going to be able to get off at the last second and make that play. You have to go and force that back to cut back. Our four techniques coming inside. If I'm stepping to my right, so is my, you get a four technique coming behind you. So if the ball cuts back, which is another problem, and they want to stop and try to cross face back, just stretch. The backer's going to fit off you on that side. The four techniques coming inside. We've got the backside A gap handled. Yeah. Quit being quit being selfish. Right. You know, right. just go stretch. Your plays are going to your design. If you're making ten tackles a game at nose guard, you are a bad mother. You know, yeah. it ain't gonna most times it ain't gonna happen. You right. know, so just do right. your job. Yeah. So we do a drill where they lose the center. You know, we just practice. You know, worst possible. Tell them it's you know worst possible scenario. What are you gonna do here? And we work on that. And then we spend a lot of time on double teams. You know, chip blocks. North Shore does a phenomenal job. Maybe the best team 
that I've ever played against who they do a great job of chipping the nose, getting him in the center, you know, getting him into the backside A gap and even climbing off the linebacker. You know, they're they're very good at it. And now that we can do skills in the summer, you know, working on without it pads, you know, we still do drills where we work on that, trying to keep our shoulders down, pads down, and do it all fall camp. You know, it's one of those drills we do every day. Let's talk about those double teams. What are some, some things that you're telling them specifically, maybe about hand placement or fighting pressure with pressure, uh, you know, getting skinny, push-pull, those things. What are you telling those guys uh, about defeating those double-team blocks? Well, I want – we don't turn – I don't teach my kids to turn their shoulder or turn their back to the guard. Yeah. Because if the guard chips off, I have to replace. Yes. And I have to now take that gap from the center to the tackle. If to me, if your shoulders are turned or your back, your hips or shoulders or back is turned to the guard and he climbs, it's hard now to open and take that. Right. And uh, so we teach your know, hands into the, I, I tell them, you got to beat the center with your hands, you know, great initial step and punch. And you got to beat the guard with your legs. So my shoulder pads should hit the guard in the hip. And I want to keep my shoulder in his hip. And I want to I want to attack that inside hip and pivot him. So if I can pivot his hips by attacking that part of his body, now if he when he tries to come off, he's sideways. Our linebacker should be able to get over the top of that block. So we don't, you know, teach the the whole you know turn and you know drop a knee. It's just it happens so quick and we can't replace. Right, the way right. we do our scheme, it's just and it takes a lot of work, and it's I've done it both ways, and I think both ways can be effective. It just depends yeah. what do you want to spend your time on, and right. that's the way we teach it, and and I'm fine with it. We've had nose guards who you know have done it really well. We have nose guards who you know just aren't as big that uh, struggle with it at, at times. But once they learn pad level, which to me is the key to everything. Is hands and pad level. Yeah, you know you have to keep them on different levels. If I can keep the center and guard from being hip to hip or shoulder to shoulder, then I think I can win. Right. If we let them get even, it's you know it's 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 hard. And if you yeah. get caught with your foot in the air or your pads yep. up, yep, you're gonna get you're gonna be a cow. I tell you, you're gonna be a cow on ice. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. Coach, you talked about hands. Where where are your guys placing their hands specifically? Do you have a place specifically that you're wanting them to put place their hands? Start if I'm stepping the side, I'm my inside hand. I want on the sternum, outside hand on the shoulder. Yeah. The same, same placement with them. I want to attack that. I want both of my hands on one of your shoulders. I think it allows me. You know, people say you know fight pressure with pressure. I, I think you fight pressure with more pressure. Is what I tell my kids. You need to push harder. He pushes. Just I want if I can. I think that allows me to, to pivot his shoulders. You know, the weak part of the body. You know, for linemen and stuff, are are pivot points. You know, the um, obliques. It's hard to stay square. Yeah. You know, and core strength. And we do a lot with our. I've started in the last few years doing a lot of that type of work with bed balls and stuff, trying to, you know, not let you turn my shoulders. And working on those little drills and in teaching them, you know, push pull. I do a push pull drill with the kids. But uh, I do one with a, a wooden dowel. I do one where they just fit up on each other. They don't don't look don't get your shoulders turned. Right. And you know, to me, if I can get both of my hands on one of your shoulders, then I stand a chance of winning that battle because I have a half a man advantage. Yeah. And it's you know, it, you win some, you lose some, and 
it's it's a hard thing to you know consistently if you have a kid with great you know arm length, which we had a few years ago, and uh, he's now playing at Texas named Moro Ojimo. He was he had the fastest hands of any kid I've ever seen. I mean, he could get his hands out of the ground. You know, kids want to grab their gun. He could come out of a stance and put hands on you quicker than anybody I've ever seen. And he yeah. could control people and uh, you know hand speed. We you know spent a lot of time on that you know it's just hand speed drills trying to get you know hands on them and use your hips to you know get them off of you and and you know just all the little fundamental things that every d-line coach yeah does and it's just amount of reps you can get in a day right uh, coach joseph is lets me have them sometimes early before practice when other kids are in video he'll let me take the nose guards out and i'll get an extra you know 10 15 minutes of uh drill work that some of the young kids need you know that we're counting on coming up and you know they need as much work as they can get uh, again let me add, let me let me ask for clarification on this so okay. those the hand placement you said both hands on one shoulder so does that mean again if i'm stepping to the right then i'm going to have both hands on on that shoulder of that offensive lineman so my hands are going to be really close together there is that what you're talking about Yes, I want, okay. and I'll say sternum, so I'm saying that half of the man. My okay. inside hand should hit the sternum. Okay. okay, So if I'm stepping to my right, my left hand yeah. should be attacking the sternum. Okay. And my right hand should be fitting into that armpit shoulder area. Okay, okay. All right. So yeah. they're tight, they're, you know, tight together. And, yeah, I want their, I tell them when we do drills, I want their wrists together. I want their elbows. I want everything tight, thumbs up, you know, wrist. I want them to exaggerate. You know how tight their hands have yeah, to be. Yeah. You know, trying to break kids of the habit of, right. you know, winding up or going outside like they're hugging the old lineman and, yep. you know, and they have, you know, slow hands, bad hands. And it's just, try, I've done, we've started doing a lot of, uh, you know, martial arts stuff with my kids. Started doing some of the jujitsu, you know, hand fighting, hand fighting stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. just little drills, just trying to, and it becomes fun competition with them. You know, just how to get the old line's hands off of you, especially with the pass rush, you know, type stuff. Is right. being able to control his body and his, you know, his movements and those type of things. And the kids get excited when we do it. Yeah, you know, they think it's yeah. the coolest thing ever. You know, I think it's important to give them a tool, give them some way to, you know, combat stuff. Yes, and, you're right, and 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 so much of that stuff goes into muscle memory. You know, I, yes, I, I don't know if you're like me, and I'm sure there's D-line coaches out there like this. You know, when I'm walking down the hallway, you know, we do so much hand hand fighting and stuff. It's hard for me not to do that. If I'm going past somebody, not to give them old club and rip or something, you know, you kind of <laughs> find yourself. All. We do I, it all the time. You know, I, my wife gets fed up when I'm passing her in the hallway. Hey, she might get clubbed and rip. I may hit her with the club and swim sometimes. You just, But it's just one of those things. You're just constantly doing that. It's, it and, and I find myself doing it if I'm just sort of sitting there, just doing kind of a hand movement yeah. thing, and it's – if we're doing that, then then the kids can be doing that. Now they're they're not even thinking; they're just automatically yeah. going to that, and that's a yeah. that's awesome. We're able to get to that yeah. point. We so, do it a lot in uh, special teams time. Yeah, like when our um, they're not going to yeah. D line aren't going to run down on the kickoff. Right, you know, for the most part. Right. So during that time, I'm fortunate that I don't, I'm not on the kickoff. I don't coach kickoff or return, so I take the D line and we use all that time to work on all you know the bags and hands and all that stuff, you know, yeah. so we're fortunate, you know, that we have a time built in to just take them down there and, and, and do that. Even in the, I'm, I coach punt. So when we're doing punt, you know, I tell those, those kids know that during that time they need to be down there working on, 
their own, you know, and it, just trying to make them focus on those. You know, that's an important part of the game, being able to rush a quarterback, especially in our front. You know, the nose guards, you're going to get doubled almost right. every pass play. So you had better be able to counter and, and, and you know, be able to make a move, push the pocket, do those things. Let's talk about that with those nose guards pass rushing because that can be really frustrating for those guys because they are going to be doubled. And, and to be honest, they're not going to get a whole lot of sacks most of the time. But what are some pass rush moves or techniques that you're teaching those nose guards? If we're in a pass rush you know, situation, third and long, whatever, I, I work really hard on trying to pin shoulder of the side I'm stepping to. So if, if I'm headed up and I'm stepping to the right, then I want to use my right hand. And I will, before that center, as soon as that ball snaps, I'm keying the ball. I'm looking at the ball the whole time. When that ball moves, I want to try to grab that shoulder as quick as I can and just grab it and yank it forward. Yep. And then I'm trying to swim. I'm maybe trying to rip. You know, it depends on the height of the kid. Sometimes you tell him, look, you need, he's not going to be able to swim him, just rip him. Uh, but there's a, if you throw that, we do the, you know, if I throw the rip and I get stuck, I'm going to counter with the swim. Yeah. If I try to swim and you pin me, I'm going to counter with a bull rush. You know, it all depends. But I want them to understand what the what move I may have. If it's a big split, you know, I might be able to penetrate this and go. Uh, if the guard comes down on me, then don't stay in the A-gap. If you can count, you know, unless we have a, a blitz or something coming, you know, you may have to bring a backer in the backside A-gap. So you stay A-gap and penetrate. If the center leaves, you're going to be clean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other times not. So don't be work out to work out on the guard. Work out to it. He's coming down hard. Grab him, throw him, and work to the B gap and go. Right. And understand have a two way go when you don't have a two way go. But uh, I want to get on him as quick as I can. I tell him if they're if they're passive, then I want to be aggressive. You know, if he's going to keep his head up and stay, then I may try you know work a bull rush. Right. If he's leaning on, on a lot of it's you know film study. We'll study, I'll study a kid, the center and the guard, you know, he's leaning, he leans a lot. We played a kid a few years ago who the center lunged all the time. He would, you know, he would pop and then he would lunge forward with his head. So we worked a lot of snatch that week, you know, just grab him, snatch him and go. You know, a lot of the things going to play in your film study, but I want them in those jet situations where we know is to try to pin the shoulder, especially if it's his snap hand. If you're, if he's a right-handed center and you're stepping to his, his right, you know, your left, you know, I think you have an advantage. Pitting that shoulder, he's got to snap and get that hand up and try to get it on you quick. And I, so, pin the snap hand. Don't let him get that hand up. And now, using if he gets his hands on you, how to attack his wrists and elbows uh, to you know collapse them using the jujitsu stuff that uh, you know, we teach them. Different. Uh, we'll do some spin work on it. We don't do a whole lot of spin at nose. Right. We'll do that with our ends if they get past the quarterback depth. You know, spin back because you don't get deeper than the quarterback. The nose guard, you're, you're going to get stuff. You get stoned. You know pretty quick if your move's successful. Yeah. If you get stoned, get your hands up. Yeah. Find, get in the throwing lane. Try to get a hand up. Tip a ball. We take, I do a, uh, a tip drill with our kids where we they get down. I'll get three or four of them down the line, and I have an old uh, uh, dodgeball that's out of air so it's flat about half full three quarters full and they do an up down so they'll start doing up down get and i'll count one two up throw like three step uh-huh. and i just try to throw the ball between them and they have to try to tip it up and one of them has to try to intercept it 
Yeah. And it's just a fun competition drill yeah. if I can throw it between them, you know, as hard as I can. Sometimes I throw it really soft and they, they all miss it or hard and it right. becomes a fun thing, yeah. you know. And we pride ourselves on screens. You know, we do a big time on you not, you know, you as a nose guard, if they turn you loose, something's wrong. Right. Doing a good job of teaching the, the quarterback, you know, taking that second drop. They don't, I tell them, if you're running at a quarterback and he's standing still, you know, the light better go off in your head that it's a screen. If he starts to scramble and run, then you know it's not. So we do, you know, drills to work on that with them, you know, and try to pride ourselves that, you know, you're, we're, we're, we're going to take the screen away from you. That's one of the things is when we game plan is, you know, what are your screen tenants? That's one of my things is you're not going to run screen on us. If you run screen on us, I'm, I'm angry at myself. Yeah. Because I pride myself and tell Coach Joseph, we're going to stop the screen. Coach, don't worry, we're going to stop the screen. And I want, I, you know, do they run it? Is the back across the formation? Is the back always stay on the same side of the formation? Is it to the field? Is it to the boundary? Is it to the trips away from the trip? You know, whatever I can find on a tendency. Yeah. Is it the old line? You know, they all just stand up and they don't get off the line. You know, they all just sit there. Whatever. When I'm breaking down and I make a screen cut up, you know, every, every week or draw screen cut ups. And, you know, it's one of the first things when they come in, the D line kids will ask, you know, how, how do they run screen? You know, what tell us about the screen. Right. You know, and they've, they've taken pride in that, you know, that it's, it's an important thing. I tell kids, kids, if we can take away the screen on the team, then it's, it becomes a demoralizing thing for the offense, Yep. you know? Yep. So. Right, because a lot of times they're running those screens to slow your front down, and then if your guys are able to read that and, and shut that down, then it really it it, it, it kind of deflates yeah. them because that's their changeup to what they're yes, to what they're trying to do. And and to me, in my opinion, when you're watching a defensive line, and I'll say this now, and then, and someone watching film of us will see our kids chasing a quarterback on a screen like they've never seen one before. But mm-hmm. I, I'm the same way. I feel like if if your kids are well coached. Uh, that they ought to be able to play off a screen. And it, that, that's a sign of, of a defensive line that's well coached when they're able to recognize screen and react appropriately. You know, we're, we're open up to the sideline and getting back to our spot, you know, on that yes, line sir. of scrimmage. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a, a crucial thing, especially for those interior guys to, uh, to be able to recognize and play off of. Yeah. That's one of the drills we do weekly during that kickoff time. Sometimes we do a pass screen draw. So I'll play quarterback and – I'll drop and act like it's just a pass and they're working, you know, just containment lanes. I'll try to, you know, move around the pocket. We'll do a draw. I'm handing it off or screen and it becomes uh, kids don't yell screen or they don't, if they backpedal, then they're doing, you've got five up downs, you know, so it's a, you know, stick your foot in the ground, retrace, you know, find that. And I tell kids, you know, that's, you know, make them pay. If you can make that, bubble screen or you know the receiver coming back inside the tunnel screen yeah if you can him he's coming back inside then you need to you need to plant him in the ground yeah really affect and that make that kid not want to run in there anymore you right. know i'm not willing to hurt nobody but i want you to play physical i don't want i want that receiver coming and we've seen it happen before kids come in there and they see d line kids coming and they don't they don't want to put their hand up they don't want to catch it because right. kids are coming screaming at them you know hard and right. fast right so yeah. Well, great stuff, Coach. Well, as we get ready to wrap up this hour, talk to me about some things either you've done already or you plan on doing this off season to uh, to improve yourself for, for this next season. I've spent a lot of time learning more offense this year, especially RPO. 
uh, trying to look at that kind of stuff on with teams. You know, I went and listened to uh, the Lone Star went up and spent some time up there and talking to people and uh, just trying to what are they looking for when they run it? You know, what are, especially with us because uh, we've been hurt on some stuff. You know, with outside linebacker blitzes and getting into you know people. You know, just trying to figure out more of if I was on offense, how would I attack us? Right. That type of stuff. And then looking at uh, just game plan, you know, tagging ways to break down video, some quality control type things that I've been uh, looking at, trying to put together, been, you know, talking to our defensive coordinators and trying to get, you know, what do they look at? What can we add a column to tag stuff on that might give us a hint, you know, better idea on some things Yeah, on that. So my job is to break down pass protections and blocking schemes and, and that type of stuff. So I'm trying to look at more ideas that might help us get a bead on, on some things on RPO type stuff on us. And then just always, I didn't get a chance to this year. We were going to go up to A&M and UT, but uh, with track season and weather and stuff like that, things getting canceled and moved. I didn't have a chance to, uh, get up there and watch them. I always think that uh, the guys up at A&M, Coach Price, does a great job with oh, the yeah. line guys. Coach uh, Giles at Texas does a great job. They're both you know great men of character, great yep. coaches. And uh, anytime I get a chance to, to uh, talk with them and you know bounce ideas off of them, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. But it's um, always you. If you can just find one thing, you know, like they say, clinics. If I can just you find one thing that you can use, you know, then uh, it's been a successful off season. That's right. And, um, That's right. Yeah, you know, I was hoping to get to Glacier this year, but, you know, try kept me out of that. This year they've, we've got a meet now, it seems, every year on the Glacier meet now, so I can't ever get there. But uh, I'm always willing to talk ball with anybody who wants to talk. If you want to talk to Coach Hammond, we'll have his contact information in the show notes, so make sure you check that out if you want to get in touch with him and, and talk more. Katie Football. Coach, Thanks so much for coming on and talking with us today and, and sharing with us what you are doing at Katy. And I want to wish you the best of luck this next season. I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. Big shout out once again to Coach Hammond for coming on and talking with us today. If you want to get a hold of Coach Hammond, make sure you check out the show notes to see his contact information. And coaches also, make sure you check us out on Twitter at KeepPads. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Our quote of the day is a tongue twister. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. There you go, coaches. Have a great week. And until next time, keep your pads down. <laughs>